Welcome, my name is David. I, along with Tim and Ben, want to welcome you here. Uh, if you're a guest, again, uh, just thank you for tuning in with us today. Uh, it is now time of our gathering where we turn our attention to the Word of God. Uh, and so I would just love to pray for us before we jump into that together. Uh, Father, uh, we come to you uh, knowing that there are many distractions uh, in our world and in our homes. And I pray right now you would focus our, our hearts, you would focus our minds to see you and to hear from you. Please open our, our eyes to see your scriptures more clearly, to see ourselves more clearly. God, and I, I just pray that we would walk out of here knowing and loving you more, worshiping you more fully. I pray this in your name. Amen. I want you to begin by imagining two brothers. Uh, the first brother uh, is an RCMP officer. Uh, and in his work, he has seen the ill effects of drinking and driving. Uh, he's seen uh, families that have been ripped apart. He's seen lives that have been turned upside down. And so he uh, makes it his goal to go around to schools and, and talk about the dangers of drinking and driving. Uh, he himself, if he is at a party, he will make sure that no one uh, leaves when they have had too many drinks. He will arrange for rides. He will make sure that everything happens uh, because he knows it's a problem and he lets everyone else know as well. And there's another brother. The other brother, he, he, he knows drinking and driving is, is, is not great, obviously, uh, but he, he isn't really that outspoken about it. Uh, he, 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 kind of, he might have a drink or two himself, uh, but he's not going to tell other people how to live. And so I want you to imagine that uh, one New Year's Eve, the party uh, gets a little bit out of control. Uh, both these brothers drive home separately, and both are pulled over at a checkpoint and are over the limit. Which deserves the greater punishment? Well, the answer is they actually both deserve the same punishment. But there's something inside of us, isn't there, that kind of says the RCMP officer. He's been telling people this whole time they shouldn't drink and drive. And then he goes and does it himself. See, in our society, we hate hypocrisy. Uh, there was a study done in 2017 that showed that, that people hate hypocrisy more than they hate liars. We, we see it in our politicians, we see it in our celebrities, and we call them out for it, and rightly so. But if there's one thing we hate more than hypocrisy, it's religious hypocrisy. Those religious people who go around telling people how they ought to live, but then don't do it themselves. Those pastors who tell people that, to have sexual purity, and then we find out they've been sleeping around. Those Christians where everything in their life looks good and they tell everybody how to live their life, but we find out their marriage has broken down. Those religious hypocrites are actually the people that Jesus is most harsh with. It's not the tax collectors. It's not the prostitutes. It's religious hypocrites. And so as we dive into our text today, that's what we're going to see. Uh, open your Bibles if you have them to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23 is a chapter where Jesus probably gives his most fierce, most harsh rebuke in all of his ministry and is directed to the people who seem to be the most godly, who seem to be the most religious. And, and this is because there is actually nothing more opposed to the message of Jesus, to the message of the gospel, than people who have the pretense of religion. And so what we're going to see is Jesus give six warnings to the religious hypocrite. 
And now if you've been in our conflicting kingdom series the last couple of weeks, you know that we're taking a day out of Jesus' life in his last week leading up to his death. And so last week we looked at Monday where he came in and he cleared the temple. He drove people out and flipped over tables. And now it's the next morning. There's still tables strewn on the side. There's garbage littered around. And Jesus enters the temple a second time and all eyes are on him. What is he going to say? What is he going to do that would top what he did yesterday? That's where we find ourselves in the beginning of chapter 23. The scribes, the Pharisees have been testing Jesus and now he responds with a fierce rebuke. So look with me, if you would, at chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. It's talking about their authority as teachers of the law. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. And so what we see here is Jesus' first warning. First warning to the religious hypocrite is that you preach, but you don't practice. And we see this all the time in our culture. Uh, It it is the sports captain who says, okay, everybody give 200% out on the field, and then he's slacking on defense. It's the boss who says, okay, everybody, you've got to work hard, put in the extra time. And he's just browsing Facebook and leaves at three o'clock. It's that preach, but you don't practice kind of attitude that we really detest. And it's this kind of hypocrisy that Jesus addresses first. He says, here are the scribes, here are the Pharisees, these religious people. They're giving you rules. They're giving you things that you ought to do. And, and there's some truth. You should actually do them. But don't copy just what they're doing, copy what they're saying. Because how they're, how they're living is totally, completely opposite to what they say. And so as we continue on, we, we ought to think about ourselves too. Because it, it's easy to say things. Hard to do them though. Especially religious things. It's easy to spout off religious platitudes. It's easy to tell other people how they ought to live But are we actually living those things out ourselves? And if you're not a religious person, then then what is it that you you, you quote-unquote preach? What are the things you tell people they ought to do? And are you living it up to it yourself? So Jesus defines hypocrisy the way we would to start. He he says you you, you preach but you don't practice. But then look at, look at what happens next. He, he now turns it a little bit. Uh, look with me at verse uh, five. He says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. So now Jesus is saying they're doing deeds, but the reason they're doing deeds is to be seen by other people. These phylacteries, they were little black boxes uh, that, that the Pharisees and scribes would wear. It would have uh, pieces of the Jewish scripture in it, the law, And and they were taking literally the command of Moses to uh, bind these on your hands and between your eyes. And so they would do it during prayers. But the problem was that that they began to make these boxes really big, really ostentious, so that people everywhere would see what they're doing and they would wear it all the time. So everyone knew these were religious people. These were people who really obeyed the law. They really took Moses seriously. 
And so Jesus continues. He says, they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers and call no man your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus' point is all these things, the best places in the synagogue, the titles, everything, they want to be exalted. They want the approval of man. And so what he points out is hypocrisy is not just uh, not practicing what you preach, but it's also that there is a disconnect between what you do and your motives behind it. That you can be doing the right things, but from the wrong motives. And he says that too is hypocrisy. Uh, on Jesus, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus' point is there are people who do religious things to be seen by others. It does not come out of pure motives. It does not come out of a pure heart, but it comes out of a desire to have praise from others. And this, in fact, is not just a religious thing. Uh, in the last couple of years, uh, there was a guy named the, by the name of James Bartholomew, a journalist, and he coined what is a, a term called virtue signaling. You've heard of it. A virtue signaling, he says, is basically where everyone is indicating to those around him that they are kind, uh, nice, virtuous people. And he says that people do this by uh, different things. They, they change profile pictures. Uh, they put stickers on their business. They bash certain politicians. They do all these things to align themselves with a certain team or a certain moral value, certain virtues, to let everyone know, no, I am, I'm a good person. Don't worry. And I think we, we do this, right? Like, how many times have you, like, given subtle hints to make sure your spouse knows, oh, I clean the dishwasher, I, or I empty the dishwasher, or, you know, you write an email in a certain way towards your boss so that they know how big of a sacrifice you made. It's that kind of hum humble brag type of thing. This is not just a religious issue. We, we are people pleasers by nature. By nature, we are people pleasers. We, we want the praise of other people. And Jesus points out and says, if you do the right things but for the wrong reasons... It's still no good. And so the question for us is, is what, what are the religious things that we're doing just for the sake of others? To be seen by others in a certain way. And if you're not a religious person, what are, what are the virtues that you want to display to others? What are the things you do that you, you know other people are going to think well of you? 
You're caring for the poor and so you post it on Instagram. Whatever it is. So this is Jesus talking to the crowd to start. Uh, But now he begins to address the, the scribes and the Pharisees directly. And man, is it ever harsh. He does not hold back. Uh, He gives seven woes. uh, And woes are uh, basically an expression of regret, of sorrow, uh, but also of warning that there is consequence if you continue in this way. And so when Jesus says woe to you, he's, he's basically saying, what sorrow awaits you? And so look with me at verse 13. Jesus' third warning to the Pharisees is that there is passion without knowledge. That they have passion without knowledge. And so verse 13 says this. Jesus says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. And Jesus is saying, these Pharisees, these scribes, they would go to extreme lengths to make converts. They'd go travel all the way across the land and see that they could convert someone to the Jewish religion. They would take on all the Jewish traditions and practices. But Jesus is saying, you're building your kingdom, but it's not the right kingdom. It's as if you're, you're a race car and you're the fastest car on the track, but you're driving in the wrong direction. Jesus is saying it's not good to have passion if that passion is wrongly directed. Right? Every, every master, they, they want their apprentice to outdo them in zeal and passion, in, in ability. And these Pharisees, they are training up people, but they're training them up for the wrong things. And so Jesus points and says, you're shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You, you think you're, you're building the kingdom of God, but you're actually shutting the door to people who would genuinely enter. You're guarding it with an iron rule book. Saying this is what you must do in order to enter the kingdom. The scary thing is that they genuinely think they're doing the right thing. If you put yourself in their Shoes, they, they genuinely think that what they're doing is, is for God. But the, there, there is a religious passion, a religious passion that, that many religions have. For, for Muslims have religious passion. Many Mormons have religious passion. But religious passion on its own is not an indication of truth. And that's why it's important that we also know about God. We know who he is and we study his word that we would determine who he is. Because if we just have passion, if we just have emotion, it may carry us far, but it may carry us far in the wrong direction. It is important that we have passion, absolutely. But that passion needs to be connected with truth. Jesus calls people hypocrites who have passion, but not knowledge. Woe to us if we have passion without knowledge. Uh, look at Jesus' uh, fourth warning, uh, starting in verse 
16. Jesus says, uh, Woe to you blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And so here, people taking oaths on the temple and saying, oh, I, I, I can't, it doesn't count if I swear by the temple, but if I swear by the gold of the temple, oh, then it counts. And Jesus is saying, you're missing the point. Like, you just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why are you trying to make these false distinctions? He goes on to give some more examples. In verse 18, he says, and you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that's on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, or whatever, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. So just sitting around and it's like them arguing, like Christians arguing today about like, well, if, if your prayer doesn't count if you don't, if you say in Jesus name, you need to say in the name of Jesus. And you're like, what? Like, that's not what makes your prayer count. There's not the things that matters. Why are you making these false distinctions? And now Jesus turns to their actions. Look, look at what he says in verse 23. He says, the same thing you're doing there, you actually do in your actions. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice, of mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And so this is the fourth warning Jesus gives that they are blind to the camels. What, what Jesus is, is saying, they're, they're so committed to obeying the external law of Moses, the, the tithe, the tenth that they needed to give. They are actually missing the more important things. They would go and they would tithe their spice rack, their food. They didn't need to do that. And Jesus, in fact, doesn't condemn them for doing so. It was probably taking the law farther than it needed to be. But he says there's nothing wrong in doing it. The problem is that you've neglected the weightier matters. You're focusing on the small details, but you've missed the big picture. It's kind of like saying, oh yeah, I really care about personal hygiene because I brush my teeth but you haven't actually showered in a whole month. And Jesus is like, you're missing the big picture. You, you, and this is the, the illustration he gives with the, the gnat and the camel. Uh, both of these animals were unclean uh, to the Jewish people. They couldn't eat either of these things. And so the, the image that Jesus gives is, is of somebody uh, with, with a drink. And they're so concerned that they don't want to eat the, the gnat that they're kind of straining out their drink before they drink it. But while they're doing that, they're busy gnawing down on camel meat at the same time. And Jesus is saying, you're so focused on these gnats, on these little things, you're missing the camel meat that you're eating. Why are you missing the big picture? Jesus says, this, this is justice, uh, mercy, faithfulness. Justice for the oppressed, mercy for those in need. It, it's loving their neighbor. See, the, the, the Pharisees, they were great at obeying those external laws, which were about them and God. They can do the tithe, I'll give, I'll self-sacrifice, I'll do this. 
Because God will see me as a good person. Others will see me as a good person if I do these things. But loving other people, that takes work. That's hard. And so Jesus calls people hypocrites who are actually doing good things, right things. But they miss more important things. And I think this is particularly relevant for us. I include myself in that. What are the things that we pride ourselves on as a church or or as individuals? What are what are those those things that, that we do that we follow to the minute detail? Is it that we make sure that we give exactly 10% of our money every month? Is it we, we, we've checked off all the boxes on our Bible reading plan this week? And what are the things we're missing? What are the things we're neglecting? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Like, are, are we more concerned with the minute details of theology than actual practical ministry? Like, we, we can tell you all about the hypostatic union. You know, we, we've got scriptures memorized, but we failed to care for the poor. We failed to love our neighbor. Jesus rebukes these people. These things we ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to us if we are blind to the camels. Jesus' fifth warning is that the, they are, are cleaning the outside but not the inside. Cleaning the outside but not the inside. Look with me at verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, to everyone around them, the Pharisees looked great. They looked like the most godly people, the most religious people. And what's interesting is Jesus says that's exactly the problem. The problem is that the outside doesn't match the inside. There are a lot of uh, books that have great covers but are worthless inside. Right? And that's what he's saying. You look virtuous. You look moral. You look like you've got a great cover on but inside you're full of selfishness. You're full of greed. You're full of idolatry. It's like you're a five-star hotel on the outside. You look great. 
but inside you got bed bugs, inside you got stained carpets. It's a mess. And this is the cup illustration that Jesus gives. He says, imagine you're there. You've got this mug. It's your favorite mug sitting up on your shelf. You go in the morning to get your morning coffee. You take it down. It looks like it's just come out of the dishwasher. You're about to pour your coffee in and you look inside and, and there is mold growing there from coffee that's been sitting there two months. And you're saying, this is useless. I can't use this. It doesn't matter if the outside is clean. If the inside isn't, Jesus says the same of our hearts. He says, it doesn't matter that your outside is clean if, if your heart actually isn't clean also. If you're doing the external things, if people around you think you're moral, if they think you're virtuous, but inside there's still selfishness. Inside you're still loving other things more than God. Then that's the problem. See, the Pharisees thought they could just hide away their sin. They could hide it inside like when your guests come over and you just shove all your clothes and dirty things into the spare room. Out of sight, out of mind. But that's, that's not what happens. See, because ultimately they are accountable to God. And, and God sees more than just the externals. God knows every secret we've whispered. He knows every desire we've desired, every thought we've ever thunk. God knows it all. And so if we think we can just be external people and be okay, Jesus' point is you have a problem. Right? You can be the shiny red apple, but if you bite in and it's rotten, you have a problem. In verse 26, he gives instructions to the Pharisees though. He says, first, clean the inside of the cup and plate that the outside also may be clean. And Jesus' point is stop worrying about the outside. You've got a problem inside. Focus on that first. If you focus on the inside, if you focus on changing your heart, addressing the sin issues, your, your issues of worship, then the outside is going to change. It will naturally change. There is going to be a different way that you act when your heart loves God first and rests in him and trusts in him. And so the question for us is then, what does our inside look like? Have we taken a look recently? Have we checked inside the closet? Because we, we may appear outwardly moral. We may appear like great Christians. But other people don't see what lurks within. That anger, that bitterness those lustful thoughts, those things that only we, we ourselves and God know. Are we focused on cleaning the inside? Or are we focused more on cleaning the outside so that others would think well of us? Woe to us if we clean the outside but not the inside. The last warning Jesus gives, uh, sixth warning, uh, is an arrogance towards the past. Arrogance towards the past. Look with me at verse 29. Uh, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. And so what would happen is the Jewish leaders, they would build these monuments. They would decorate the tombs of prophets from Israel's history. And they would show everybody, look, yeah, we know our forefathers, they killed them, but we think they're awesome. We, we would never have done the same thing because, of course, these are the prophets sent from God. We should listen to them. And what Jesus is trying to point out is you are no different than the past. You are, in fact, the same because your heart is the same. And, and so look at what he says here in verse 31. He says, thus, you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your father's. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. We see this happening in the book of Acts. So that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barkia, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This is Jesus speaking to the, the religious elite of that time, saying, you think you are better than the past. You think you're different. You say, we wouldn't kill God's prophet, but they are days away from murdering God's son. There is an arrogance that comes when we think we are better than those who went before. Jesus' point is that it, it is the heart that evidences that. That the heart of the people who killed the prophet is the heart that lies in the religious hypocrite, in the Pharisee. And so uh, here too we find that we are like the Pharisees. Because I think as we go through this text, our natural reaction is to say, well, those are them. We're not like that. We love God. We're critical of their religiosity, of their hypocrisy. We say, well, that was them, but I'm not like that. The scary thing is that we have the same arrogance towards the past that they did. They thought they were better. Woe to us if we are arrogant towards the past. And so if there, there's one thing I hope we've seen coming out of this, it is that we are them. We are the Pharisees. We are the religious hypocrite in more ways than we would like to admit. We put our hope in the, the things that we do. Our hearts are not clean, yet we clean up our actions around us. And what is Jesus' point here? Why does he give these woes to the Pharisees? He doesn't give it just to bash them in front of everybody else. Jesus gives the woes to wake them up. He wants to cause a crisis of heart that they look and see, woe is me. I have been trusting in my external things in my actions, 
My heart is unclean. He wants to wake them up and see the desperation of their situation. Because they thought if they are, are externally righteous, externally righteous before God, they're good. And what Jesus is showing is not only are you not externally righteous, you aren't internally righteous. And that's what God looks at. That's what God judges you by. It is not by the things you've done. It's by your heart. And he exposes their heart for them. But the good news of the gospel is that we we aren't actually judged if we trust in Jesus by our external actions. We're not even judged if we trust in Jesus by the state of our heart. We are judged according to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who was never a hypocrite, who, whose heart was perfectly in line with the things that he did. See, Jesus is trying to wake up the Pharisees to their need. It is not that they need to go and clean up themselves more on the outside. The the call of Jesus is not even that they need to clean up themselves more on the inside. The call is that they need to see their need. Their need to be rescued. See, there are many of us too who who, we, we think we are a flashy Lamborghini. On the outside, we look great. We are shiny we, we look beautiful. Our life seems put together. But inside, we're like a 95 Civic and the engine's breaking down. And, and our tendency is to keep giving ourselves car washes. We keep buffing the, the sides. We keep washing everything down. We try and look as smooth as possible. But we don't need another car wash. We need a new engine. We need a new heart. We need God to revive our heart and our soul. And he does it through the gospel as he reminds us that it is not about the things that we do, but about what has been done for us. It's not that we need to be acceptable towards God, but that he accepts us as we are because of what Christ has done, that Christ on the cross, he takes our sin and he takes the punishment for it. He bore it himself so that he could offer to us grace as a free gift. He can say, you can come to me. You don't need to do things in order to come. Come as you are because I've fulfilled all the requirements. I've fulfilled all the law. All you need is need. All you need is to know your situation, to know that you need to be rescued. And so Tri-City Church, as those of us who are Christians, who have been given a new heart, I know that we still struggle with hypocrisy. We struggle with the fact that our, our, our actions are not in line with our heart. But it is the gospel that is going to help us through that. It is the gospel of free grace, which simply reminds us we do not need to to be better before God. We don't need to worry about trying to put on a show, to put on a mask for others or for God. Because he accepts us freely. He accepts us as we are, warts and all. It's okay to not be okay. Because we're accepted on the basis of what Jesus has done, not on the basis of what we do. So yes, we we pray and we ask and we say, God, would you change our heart? Would you change our inside? But more than that, would you you help me to stop relying on the things I do as, as what I stand before you with or stand before others? 
But when I stand before you on the basis of Jesus, on his blood, on his righteousness, and nothing else, we come freely to the throne of grace and we worship the God who gave us this grace at the cost of his life. That's the, the Jesus that we serve. And if, if you are here and you're watching and, and, and you don't know that grace yet, I invite you to, to take that step. To put your trust in Jesus. You, you, there's nothing you need to do. Only to trust in him and the work that he has done for you. So with that in mind, uh, let us pray and then we will respond together. Uh, Lord Jesus, you uh, truly are great. You have given us grace freely. We do not deserve it. We, we acknowledge our sin uh, and we ask that your spirit would come inside of us, renew our hearts. Please make us a people that, that are desperate for your grace, that lean and trust on you in everything that we do. We pray that we would be a people that are, that are sent out, that do love our neighbor, but we pray we would do it by your spirit and by your power. And I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. And so we are going to respond as we always do uh, in a couple different ways. Uh, we will respond through songs. So the band will come up. They'll lead us in a few more songs. Uh, and then we, we also respond in prayer. And so we encourage you, uh, if you're at home with your family, spend time in prayer by yourself. Spend time before the Lord in prayer. Uh, and then we also, uh, oh, about prayer too, there, there's a prayer card on the website. Uh, you can go and just uh, fill that out. Uh, there's people who uh, want to pray with you. We can give you a call during the week. Even if there's just things you'd like to talk about, uh, fill that card out. We'll give you a call. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, and then we also respond uh, through giving. And again, this is, uh, if you do not call Tri-City home, uh, if you're a guest just watching this, please feel no obligation to give. We do not want your money. Uh, but if you do call Tri-City home, we ask that you would uh, give as an act of, of worship. And so there's a couple options. You'll see them on the website uh, below where you can uh, give. Uh, and so uh, let's take time and let's respond together. <laughs>